Hey there, Mike Stelzner coming to you with a fascinating update you might not be familiar with. Did you know that Social Media Examiner can deliver all the marketing, training, news, and trends, insights that you need into your inbox three days a week when you sign up for our newsletter and it's completely free? Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates and take your marketing to the next level. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I am totally excited about today's show. I'm going to be joined by the queen of Facebook, Mari Smith, and we're going to explore some very important changes to the Facebook newsfeed. I also have a new discovery that I'm going to share with you right now and an exciting announcement. But first, let's start with that discovery. Helping you stay alive in a social jungle, here's this week's survival tip. I'm joined today by Eric Fisher, who's going to talk about a really cool tool that he recently discovered. Go for it, Eric. All right. What I found was a tool called Grambler. That's G-R-A-M-B-L-R. And you might think that this is kind of a child made by uh, Instagram and Tumblr, but it's not. It has nothing to do with Tumblr. It's just Instagram. What this does is it allows you from a desktop or laptop computer to upload a photo to Instagram, which is one of the things that I think has been One of the major frustrations I've seen from a lot of people working in social media is how do I get a picture up onto Instagram and how do especially for a business profile when I'm using it for personal on my phone as well? Uh, So the advantage here is that you could Photoshop it or put some words on top of it, you know, with Illustrator or something like that and essentially push it into the live feed. I'm assuming it doesn't do scheduling. Is that a safe assumption? Correct. Yeah, it's not it's not for scheduling. It's for uploading and posting at times when you know, you want to be able to get something on there, but it's not on your phone. (laughs) Awesome. Why don't you go ahead and say the name of that tool one more time? Sure. It's Grambler. G-R-A-M-B-L-R dot com. Awesome. Thank you, Eric. You're welcome. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. And with that, let's transition over to today's interview with Mari Smith. Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. I'm very excited to be joined today by Mari Smith. If you don't know who Mari is, she's the world's leading Facebook marketing expert. She's authored the books, The New Relationship Marketing and Facebook Marketing an Hour a Day. And this is her fourth appearance on this show. And she's the only person that can claim that moniker. Mari, welcome to the show. Awesome. I'm honored. Cool. What a moniker. <laughs> well, and I think you might have been my very first guest, if I'm not I mistaken. I was. Yep. Yeah. And now we're, yeah. we're a couple of years into this. So. so today, Mari and I are going to explore what you need to know about marketing with Facebook and in particular the newsfeed. We're going to talk a lot about the newsfeed because there's been lots of things going on with the newsfeed that you need to know about. But before we get into the newsfeed, Mari, 
over the last months, there's been lots of trends that you likely see because you're in knee deep in the Facebook world in a way that I'm not and most of our listeners aren't. So um, where do you see things going? What are the trends that you see happening with Facebook and what should marketers be thinking about over the next year when it comes to their marketing on Facebook? Okie dokes. Well, over the next year, absolutely, marketers have to embrace that paid amplified posts is mainstream. There's just no getting away from it. Hey, if you got lucky and managed to have a really big page and it's doing really well for you and you're reaching a lot of your audience organically, that's smashing. Good on you. But otherwise, I would say probably for 90% of businesses out there, they're going to have to bite the bullet and allocate some dollars to paid paid uh, posts. Uh, also, another trend I would say, uh, we're going to touch on this a little bit more uh, later in our chat here today, Mike, and that would be um, micro video, video for sure, but also micro video and uh, user generated content, everything that Facebook's doing with that. Um, mobile, you know, we've been talking about mobile going mainstream for years and it already is mainstream, but I think that more, um, we're going to see more businesses needing to ensure that obviously not only their ads uh, effective in the mobile Facebook news feed, but that when people click on those, that they must have a mobile-friendly opt-in page or landing page or wherever they're driving people. Um, and Facebook's also got some cool new things coming out that will help marketers to track uh, mobile ads or ads on mobile using a new uh, people-based marketing as opposed to cookie-based. Well, I want to ask you a question that um – I, I hadn't prepared to ask you, but it, it's mm-hmm. coming up in my mind here. The concept of a community manager. You know, um, over the last few years, a lot of businesses have hired community managers to manage, in particular, their Facebook community. Mm-hmm. And now that it is more of a pay-to-play world, does the concept of a community manager still remain important? Said another way, for those that are just getting started with getting their new business or new divisions of their business onto Facebook, does the concept of Facebook community management matter anymore? Oh, absolutely. In fact, you know what, Mike, I would say, if anything, it matters even more. Oh, really? Why? well, 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 here's the thing. Way back in the day, 2007, there was this saying that came out. I think it was really when the apps uh, opened up, the API opened up, and all these apps, and then, you know, the, the beacon thing and all that, and people started squealing, oh my God, when the marketers move in, the members are going to move out. And so, obviously, we've that's, you know, seven years ago, we've come a long way. Now, though, I just always feel like even though uh, Facebook's clearly dominated this scene, they shouldn't rest on their laurels. Uh, who knows if the membership is, you know, pre- precarious or not? I don't, I think the masses will keep staying with Facebook. Nonetheless, they'll start to get Facebook fatigue if we do too much pushy sales, marketing, and just the general sentiment. So the antidote is those companies and brands that have warm, personal, real people responding. I mean, Facebook, I've got to tell you, Facebook themselves, facebook.com slash Facebook, you, uh, or, or facebook.com slash marketing. If you go to those pages, Facebook's own managed pages, you will see that they have invested in community managers and are now responding. Uh, Visa is another good example, big major brand investing in community management that they didn't before a few years back. So if we watch these major brands, they're investing in community management as we move towards 
towards paid content, to me, that just sets them a world apart, you know, because ultimately people just want to be heard. They want to know somebody's listening. They want a response to their questions, especially if they've got, you know, not necessarily a complaint, but or they're having an issue, they're a challenge. They want to know that somebody's listening. So, Well, and for what it's worth, um, for those of you that are not big brands that are listening right now, Social Media Examiner is not really a big brand. Uh, and we have a full-time uh, community manager, and we have at least two or three part-time community managers. Um, and Facebook is one of the main areas that they work. So um, there still is a need to answer questions, and there still is a need to engage in dialogue with people. And um, I think sometimes us marketers forget about the fact that um, these are not just numbers out there, right? <laughs> these are actually people, and people love interaction, don't they, Mari? Absolutely. And that is, it's all people to people. I mean, this is just, you're talking just about something here just so close to my heart. This is the essence of relationship marketing is going past the numbers and knowing that behind every number, every stat, every metric is a real human being with needs and wants and concerns and challenges and things that keep them up at night. It's like, how can we be a best service to them how can we relate to them as a real human being and and not just always trying to you know get that next sale and close that next deal i mean those are important to focus on metrics but focus on the people first and and it'll go a long way and before i dig into my next question it's very important for everyone listening to understand that people buy from 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 brands that they know like and trust Mm -hmm. and you know uh they may like your content or they may like your product or service but if they don't know the people then there, there is just only so far that that affinity will go. But if they begin to understand that they're getting serviced by people that know and love them, then, you know, that does bring that fan level, if you will, to an entirely new level. Now, um, I don't want you to comment necessarily on that, Mari, because I know we have so much to cover. So let's transition, if you will, over to the newsfeed, because I know that this is one of the big concerns that so many people are freaking out about right now, which is, oh, my gosh, I'm not getting, you know, the kind of response that I've gotten in the past. Um, And I think, you know, you and I have previously spoken about this. Uh, I forget what episode it is, but you, me and Jay Bear had a uh, had a had a dialogue about this uh, in early early on in this year talking about the changes in the newsfeed and I don't want to necessarily rehash why the newsfeed has changed but I would like to instead get your thoughts on um, on um, you know because I think we know why it's changed because Facebook needs to pay for this big network but let's talk about strategy because a lot of people right now are like okay how should I be thinking about how I use the new feed now that I now that Facebook is a different world where clearly they're given preferential, you know, visibility to the consumers rather than the brands. Right, right. Well, some of the changes, Mike, were certainly around links. Uh, and so on the newsroom.fb.com, that's uh, people should definitely be paying close attention to that. Uh, that's where Facebook makes their announcements. They've got different sections. And um, a while back, they started this new series called Newsfeed FYI. And so anytime they make updates to the newsfeed, it's going to be under a post uh, on their blog called Newsfeed FYI. And so interestingly enough, you know, we're all about the images. So us marketers, we're all, okay, image posts. Posts with a photo are going to get the best visibility in the newsfeed. So we're trying to all kinds of clever ways to circumvent the 
newsfeed ranking algorithm, which some people call edge rank. And so we obviously you want to post a link. You want people to click through and read your blog, read your article, go to a sales page, an opt-in page, but using an image to do so with the link in the in the description or a status update where you remove the preview, you X out the image and the title and the description. Facebook, of course, got clever to that. They're like, hey, wait a minute, folks. We're going to give you bigger image previews on your link posts. They call them native link posts. And that is when you type or paste a link into your publisher in the area where you publish posts uh, on your page or profile. And then it automatically generates a preview with a, a large image. It's usually 1,200 by um, gosh, 630. Is it six? Okay, and I've seen six twenty-seven. Approximately, I'm rounding. I'm rounding up. Yeah, six thirty is easier. They're not going to quibble over three pixels. Right. You're right. Yeah. So is um, that's that's the ratio right there. Okay. So um, the beautiful thing about that is when that native link goes out in the post, you have a huge amount of space where people can click. They can click anywhere on the image, anywhere in the title, anywhere in the description, and they'll click through to whatever link you want them to click through. So that's one major change that Facebook have said. Okay, hold on a minute, folks. You're hold on minute we see your game we know you're trying to stuff links into your image posts and your status updates but we're going to give those posts those types of posts less priority we're going to give more priority to native links and so my recommendation to marketers is to actually change up their posting strategy to integrate more links but you're going to need to give yourself probably a minimum of four weeks to see any real change. If anything, you might even see initially your reach might even go down. Okay, know, hold on before. a minute. Let me make sure I understand what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is that Facebook has made it clear that they are going to give preferential newsfeed exposure to people that paste in a link and allow Facebook to pull in the image and the text over over um, pasting in a link and uploading a picture. Is that correct? Yeah, and just to be clear, because this does confuse people, you with a let's just call them native links because the native link is where it's pre-populated. Right. But 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 people get confused because you can you could call it a thumbnail. People could upload a replacement thumbnail, and I think that 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 confuses people versus uploading an actual photo and it's a photo post. Um, but yeah, okay, so you got it right. Your summary is absolutely correct. Yeah, and just to clarify, what you're talking about is uh, when you paste a link into, for example, a, a link at Social Media Examiner, uh, we have pre-coded uh, to tell Facebook, hey, this is the image we want to display. Mm -hmm. But anybody who uh, administers a page could go ahead and say, let's go ahead and alter that image and upload an image of our own. That's still legit. But what's not legit is if we decide to upload an image as an attachment is what I hear you saying, right? Like a photograph, for example, yeah. mm -hmm. um, that will get less preferential treatment according to Facebook in the long run. But what I heard you saying is that it might take a little while for that to take effect. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Now, here's a question. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Some of your clients. I'm just gonna some of my clients and customers are saying, uh, and, and students are saying, you know, oh gosh, oh, I tried that. I tried it for a few days, and you know, my reach went down. I'm like, hold on a minute. It's going to take a little, a little bit of time to re-educate or reconfigure the algorithms gotcha. to notice a difference. But you don't want to do away. I mean, it's interesting you use the word legit. You don't want to completely abandon posting photos with links in there. I just would do a little bit less of those and a little bit more of the native link posts. Now. Um when you're putting an update into Facebook, uh, I think you can click on the little link icon or you can paste a link into the open text box. 
Um, does Facebook allow us, is it okay to put like a headline, a link, and then some text underneath it, and then underneath that have the Facebook summary box, if you will? Or should we yeah. remove that link that's manually there in the text box? Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, I usually remove it. As soon as the, as soon as Facebook pulls in the preview, I just call it a link preview with uh, the thumbnail and the, the title and the description. Then I go ahead and I remove the link from the, the text box because it's already populated. But so it's, it's not, not it's not problematic it. to keep it as far as you understand, right? Because yeah. Because it could be beneficial for people because it's right there after your headline, it potentially, you know, and depending on where you place it. So... Yep, Very point. interesting. Okay, good. So, so that's, that's one thing that's, you know, new about the newsfeed that we need to know about. Is there any other, any other things that we need to know uh, about the newsfeed? Like I've heard recently about Facebook showing more um, timely news related stories. Yep. Can you talk yep. about that a little bit? Sure thing. That's their latest update. Two things. One is called trending topics. And I know they're going head to head with Twitter and their trending topics, but it makes sense. You got 1.3 billion people talking about stuff every day. So you may as well, um, you know, pull up the things that are trending. Now, I don't know about you, but Facebook already has their trending topics are shown on your newsfeed in the top right hand side. I've barely even give it a glance to me they're more like main mainstream news you know which i don't really pay a lot of attention to but what they mean by the trending topics is they have a new signal of, of, of their many many thousands and thousands of signals in this in these complex algorithm and this single signal is the amount of time that passes between when you made your post and how quickly people start liking, commenting, and sharing. The faster people like, comment, and share, that signal tells Facebook, ooh, this is a hot topic. We're going to push it up the newsfeed and give it more visibility, more priority. In addition, tied to that, remember back last year, they brought this new thing out called Story Bump. It was rather bizarre. Yes, yes, yes. You know what I mean? Story Bump is kind of... Explain what that Still, is real quick. It, what that is is let's say someone's flying through their newsfeed, mobile or desktop, and they miss a post down below and it's, you know, pop your post or it's a post that your friends are interacting with and you don't see it. So they're going to push up the newsfeed ne next time you go um, to your newsfeed. So therefore, your, your top stories is not necessarily in chronological order. You might see something from you know, a few hours ago ahead of something a few minutes ago because of that story bump feature. Well, an initial, an, excuse me, an additional component of the story bump is this, I'm calling it post engagement timing. Uh, what, what they're basically, they're going to give, um, they're going to bump stories back up in the news feed if you haven't seen it yet and it got likes, comments and shares really quickly after posting. Does that make sense? It does, and I guess what I'm struggling with is how does that um, how does that relate to the more timely newsfeed related stuff? Because that's the part I'm struggling connecting in my brain. Well, the more timely newsfeed stuff, it depends. It all goes by the social signals. So if you a bunch of your friends are commenting like crazy, liking, sharing on a specific piece of content, then that's trending, if you will. That's popular in your world. Ah, it's not related to what's going trending on Facebook. Correct. For example, if an actor dies or something and everyone's talking about it and your brand gets in on it, it doesn't mean you're going to get extra play is what you're saying, right? Mm -mm. I mean, it might, it might, but but no, the, the, the new trending topics is more, I mean, their description of it is basically that you, you can, quote, you can immediately know what your friends or favorite pages are saying about the stories of the day. Aha, uh -huh. good. So it's, it, it, it's kind of a play on story bump. 
is what I hear you saying, but it's based on how frequently um, people are engaging with the post. Well, 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 that's the second component because there's the trending topics. So those are the popular ones that people are, the faster people get comment on like and share on those, that's going to push up the newsfeed. And then the second component is they're also going to give more priority to older posts that then uh, if you haven't seen them, if they were if they were in that like trending topics category, if you will, I can tell that it's just so darn complex here, Mike. Oh, yeah. like, I wish they had different ways of explaining it. Well, you know, I'm wondering, because we do do this at Social Media Examiner, I'm wondering like if there's some new announcement that's made by YouTube or Twitter or even Facebook and yeah. we break the news mm-hmm. um, on our Facebook wall, um, it seems like now they're, and, and people start sharing it like crazy. It seems like they're giving some sort of preferential treatment to that. Um, yeah. because people are sharing it like crazy is what I hear you saying. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And if, let's say that, let's say you get 90% of your shares within the first hour that will signal to Facebook, whoa, this is a really timely post. We're going to give it more newsfeed visibility earlier on and then like as the day passes as the hours go by they'll give it less priority interesting now um i know a lot of people have probably been using open-ended questions as a strategy to get engagement on their facebook page for example mm-hmm. um you know um, what what uh, is your favorite blog or your favorite podcast or whatever you know um mm-hmm. do open-ended questions still work as a way to get into the news feed what are your thoughts on this they absolutely do, but the, the the challenge I see is there are some pages that they catch on to this and they're like, oh yeah, this is a great idea, let's do it. Um, what I saw one yesterday, I think it was I think it was Capital One, yeah, Capital One three sixty. I was looking at their, it's almost every other post they have a fill in the blank, and after a while it just gets a bit, a bit too samey, so right. it's like. You know, you want to mix it up. But yeah, I, I love to do that. Gosh, one of my open-ended questions, I maybe do maybe once a, once a week or every 10 days. And I just ask my, my Facebook fans, um, how often do you email your subscribers? Uh, and that got some nice, uh, some nice engagement. Good. You know, so and, we should keep doing that for sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now another thing that we've seen a lot in the news feed is these kind of um, squirrely posts where you won't believe what this person did next. You know what I mean? And they'll show a picture of someone standing on the edge of a cliff or something. I mean, like, um, uh, I don't know how to describe these things, but hasn't Facebook kind of kind of shut the coffin on this particular style of post? You know what I'm Correct. talking about? Okay. Yeah, they, they call them click baiting, click baiting. OMG, you'll never guess what happened next. And it's just, it's, it's a psychological thing. I'm so glad. <laughs> I know, I know. Like, so marketers, if you're using those things, um, that could hurt you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to get the kind of exposure. Are there any other, um, um, one thing that I heard recently, Mario, and maybe you can confirm this, mm-hmm. but, and maybe this is only at the personal Facebook level, but it seems like um, whenever anybody gets married or has a baby, that all of a sudden their posts get really high in the newsfeed. And it seems as if Facebook is watching for the words congratulations or congrats and somehow boosting those into the feed. Does this also apply to businesses? And is there a possible, hey, we're celebrating our fifth anniversary or this or that kind of post that we ought to consider doing as a brand and will that 
help us at all? I'm curious what your thoughts are. That's, that's such a great question, Mike. I mean, I, I 100% agree with you. I've seen the same thing, experienced the same thing. There's definitely trigger words from a personal profile standpoint that Facebook really wants to emphasize. Look, this is why we're even. That's why we're existing is right. is to get those personal connections and those landmark milestones in our lives. Um, but from a business perspective, not sure about that. I mean, brand would have to experiment. There's just so many gotcha. components, right? There's just yeah. Who knows? It'd be worth worthwhile experimenting, but you know, careful of stuffing it too much with. Uh, well, you could know. even profile a fan of the week or a fan of the month, and maybe a lot of people are are, are actually um, getting excited about that and congratulating that person, and perhaps that might I don't know make a make a difference in their own little network. I don't know. <laughs> Somehow you're going to find a way to weave in the word Mary and baby <laughs> and <laughs> wedding. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm not sure we want to go down that post path, yeah. so to speak. Right. Uh, let's talk about the. Facebook save feature. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, There's a lot to talk about here. First of all, what is it? Okay, it's a way that allows people now to users on Facebook, mobile or desktop, to save links. Uh, And this is a long-awaited feature because people were trying like all kinds of crazy workarounds. I know for me, I have so many... Uh, screenshots that I just take a screenshot on my mobile device or a lot of people they would share the post and have it set to uh, me only or they'd have a secret group with only them as a member and they'd share posts so these were all these kind of cumbersome workarounds to share excuse me to save content that you wanted to read later so Facebook came along with this wonderful new feature and um, if a post has a link in it it's just a tiny little gray drop down arrow in the right hand corner of a post desktop or mobile and uh, you can save the link and now people are like well where do I get my where do I then go and view my saved links well over on the left hand side where you've got your favorites pages interests apps groups etc you should see a new little um, item there in your bookmarks called saved I got mine favorite excuse me, I've got mine favorited and added to the top of my list. Um, at first, it was only those, what we were talking about earlier, only the native link posts could get saved. But I've since seen that Facebook have kind of quietly upgraded it. And now any post that has a link in it, whether it's um, a video or a photo or a status update, however it's done, um, you can save the link. Even if a post has multiple links in it, you can save all the links. And can you view the uh, save things on the mobile or is it only a desktop side viewing or what's your thoughts yeah, on both. that? Yeah, both. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, both. Um, Interesting. And, and um, what's the upside of this? Because part of me thinks as a marketer, I want people to act right away. And if they save it, it's like bookmarking it and they'll probably never come back to it. I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. Well, the day the feature came out, you know, I jump right in there as a user and I start saving things and you can save uh, also they have things like books or movies, TV shows, events. Now, I'm just looking at my saved items right now. I have three places, one book and 60, oh, excuse me, 51 links. Mm. Uh, I think I've come back maybe once, once or twice. However, guess what? The good news is because Facebook, they obviously anticipated this as an issue periodically they are going to take some of your saved items and push them back into the news feed. Oh, very interesting. And I was wondering about whether they'd notify mm-hmm. you, hey, don't forget to look here. Yep. 
Yep, they do that. Now, the cool thing, too, is it's as they're all private. Now, you're also to dif differentiate, you're not saving the actual post, which is kind of a bummer. You're just saving the link in the post. Hmm. So it really is like a bunch of bookmarks. Um, but yeah, I've seen several times now, Facebook will put some s several of my saved links back into my newsfeed for me. Uh, and it is kind of cool as I do go back and go, oh, yeah, I wanted to read that. Well, I would imagine from a marketer's perspective, if we find something interesting in our newsfeed, like a funny video, we could, and we're on our mobile, we could save it later and post it down the road onto our Facebook page if we decide to want to do that, right? Or we could yeah. buffer it or whatever. And there's an advantage from a curation perspective that I think could be pretty interesting. But um, but you're saying it's just the link. It doesn't give you the context of where it came. It's the destination link that gets saved into the save feature. Is that correct? Exactly. Interesting. Correct. Yeah. Oh, but it does show you via. It has this little thing via. Like you'll see, like it the tells you the person or place of where you saved it. Uh -huh. Interesting. Now, have you... Have you found yourself using it much? Um, and does it impact the algorithm? Like, do you encourage people to say, hey, don't forget to save this if you don't have time to look at it? And do you think that has, has yeah. any news news uh, feed um, preference value there? My, my educated guess is that it might have a tiny little fraction of a difference and give more priority to links that are saved. Right now, we don't have any access to metrics. So as a publisher of content, we don't know who's saving or how uh. many people are saving. But I do. Periodically, I will absolutely remind my, my fans, please go ahead and here's how you save. You know, If you're on mobile or desktop, just hover or tap and click that little arrow and hit save. And then I'll be like, no, and here's how to go back and get your saved items. I just have a little like two or three sentences and I copy and paste it onto to many of my posts. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Okay, video. Um, uh, personally, for me, my newsfeed is dominated by video, and sometimes yeah, there's more same. than others. First of all, does Facebook kind of know that I like videos and farm up videos for me? I'm just curious what your thoughts are on this. Um, or do you so, think that videos get preferential treatment? I, I'm just wondering. What, what happens really fascinating, it, it, actually there's over 100,000 factors that go into the newsfeed ranking algorithm. It's just mind-boggling and we only know maybe a, you know, a dozen or so of them. One of which is if you tend to play videos, you will see more videos. If you click and open up photos, Facebook will show you more photos. If you comment on status updates, you'll see more status updates. So we're actually training it. Now, interestingly enough, we have the autoplay. And it's just, again, that psychology. We're drawn in. We see the movement on our screen. Oh, my gosh, what is this video? And we hit play and we, we uh, unmute the video. And we before we know it, we're watching it. So um, it's just brilliant. And again, so see, here's Facebook's going head to head with YouTube. Because some of the changes that have just been introduced are stats. We are now able to view the stats on, uh, to see the stats on the views. Uh, how many people have actually, actually viewed the video? on Facebook. So from a marketer standpoint, if you've got video content, absolutely want to have video content, micro ideally, you know, just a minute or you know, a minute or less even, uh, little tips, and you would upload that to YouTube and to Facebook um, and, you know, just get more, more mileage out of it. Okay. Uh, this is a bunch of questions that you've spawned. First of all, um, it seems in the past when you would paste in a YouTube link that the video would be playable inside of the news feed. But I think if I'm not mistaken, and maybe it's just on mobile, I can't with a YouTube video hit play and play it in stream. It actually pops it up into a different thing, doesn't it? Or is it? Yeah, it does. It pops, it opens up in your YouTube app. So they're actually giving preferential treatment, aren't they, to um, 
to video that is uploaded versus video that is linked in from Vimeo or YouTube, right? Correct. Yep. So that's important for people to understand. Um, you know, if you want to increase the chances that video will have an impact on your your fans, then you're going to have to actually upload the video directly into Facebook, right? Yeah, because YouTube, uh, you can play it. If you, you paste the YouTube link in, it will play on desktop. However, we've we got to keep in mind that uh, 75% of Facebook's users are acting, accessing the site uh, via mobile. Now, the autoplay, um, do you think that the reason why the Ice Bucket Challenge was so popular was because of this autoplay feature? I'm just curious. You know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, I mean, that probably had an impact on it, but I think there were so many other factors. Just, you know, it was easy to do. It was selfless. So there right. was, you know, a charity involved, those kinds of things. It was simple. People wanted to take on the challenge. Um, but, yeah, I think that the Ice Bucket Challenge put – micro video on the map. I think people figured out how to use the video camera feature on their smartphones that hadn't ever done so before, (laughs) figured out how to load up videos to YouTube and to Facebook. And so now it's like, oh, well, that's cool. Now I know how to do that. I think I'll do it some more. Um, And so that's, if you look at your newsfeed, majority of the videos we see uh, tend to be from, from friends. I don't actually see that many videos from pages. Um, well, does it make so, sense for us to experiment as a brand? I mean, I am sharing, we are sharing interesting videos, you know, that are very popular on Facebook via our page. Um, sometimes they're entertaining more than anything else. But um, does that make sense to do that as a brand? I'm curious, or as a Facebook page manager? To you? I would. Yeah, I would definitely. And I keep an eye on like people like uh, Ellen, the Ellen DeGeneres show, and, and she uses video and so many of her posts as like a little teaser. And the other awesome feature other than being able to see the view count is a call to action button. So we can actually now program that in. We can actually say, you know, we want this to be for... Um, you know, click through to a website or to watch more videos on, on YouTube or your page or a site place on your page, just different things like that. So how does that work? Does that just appear at the end of the video or can you determine yeah. where, where can you, do you have any, like, for example, on YouTube, you have a lot of control over exactly what it says, what it looks like. Is that not the case with, with Facebook or is it just, it's always the end. It's always the end, but who knows? This is just the beginning. Right. You know, I mean, video views have, have exponentially gone up uh, over the last gosh, six, 12 months uh, on, on Facebook. So, so yeah, I think this is just the tip of the iceberg of what we're going to be seeing on video features for Facebook. What percentage of Facebook users, in your opinion, are, are accessing via mobile? 75, 75%. Holy cow. Yeah. So, yeah, um, like so, 800 million. So give, given the fact that so many people are doing it, even likely just even, you know, in their office or in their home, they just pull up their, their mobile device cause it's convenient and yeah. maybe they see the notifications on the app. Um, is there something in particular we need to be thinking about when it comes to video and mobile users, or said another way, is there is there such a thing as mobile optimized videos? What are your thoughts? There probably are. There probably are um, mobile optimized videos because I think shorter know, videos. Not- you know, you talked about this micro video concept. I mean, is this all kind of playing mm-hmm. into the same idea? Well, micro video, you know, Vine, owned by Twitter, right? They kind of put it on the map with six seconds. And then along came Facebook when with Instagram. They have to do things a little bit bigger and better. And they did the 15-second videos. Well, 15 seconds is awesome. And, it, and there are some crazy good marketers doing some good stuff on Instagram. You actually can say a lot in 15 seconds. Mm. And, and there's just something magical because since whenever, the 1950s, 
50s or whatever, 60s, we've had television and you see a little screen with movement, with people inside your little piece of technology. We just, our brains are like wired to go, oh, what is that? What is that? Click, hmm. play. Before you know it, you're drawn right in. So yeah, mobile optimizer probably are in terms of resolution and whatnot. I have seen a little bit of pushback from people that are just not too keen on the whole autoplay. You can turn that off. You can turn it off on desktop and mobile. There's uh, a settings to do that, to, to disable it. And, and for some people, it might be using up their data plan, which is, uh, I don't blame them for being upset with about that. Let's talk about Atlas. Um, I know that um, uh, recently you've been talking about what Atlas is. First of all, mm -hmm. describe to everybody what Atlas is and why marketers should pay attention. Okay, it's an ad serving and measurement service for what uh, Facebook are calling people-based marketing. So, you know, you're familiar with this, how you go and visit a website and it's got cookies enabled and then you come back to Facebook and you see an ad for the very thing that you were just yep. uh, looking at. Remarketing, we call website. it. So yep. it's remarketing. So that's all done by cookies. Well, cookies really don't work very well on mobile or even at all. We were just saying you got 75% of Facebook users are using through mobile. So it's really hard to get that granular targeting but, and, and also tracking to see, okay, well, who's actually seeing and consuming our Facebook ads. So now Facebook have, have uh, they bought Atlas from Microsoft last uh, February of 2013. And uh, they've been rebuilding it from the ground up. Is In essence, it's similar to Google's double click. And it's going to be a display ads that the advertisers can buy on Facebook and anywhere on the web that will be tracked through people's Facebook accounts. See what I'm ah, saying? Interesting. It's not tracked through cookies. It's not tracked through cookies. It's tracked through user accounts, which can be tracked through mobile. Uh, it's brilliant. It's absolutely ah, genius. interesting. So what I hear you saying is the common denominator here is the fact that people have a Facebook account on mobile and on desktop, yeah. and they can probably anonymously connect those two things together in the way yeah. that a cookie cannot do, and therefore yeah. they can serve up a if I'm if I'm shopping for cowboy boots. Uh, on my desktop computer and then I go home on my mobile device, they know it's still me and they might serve up some ads for cowboy boots. That's what I hear you saying, right? That's absolutely right. Not that and I wear also, cowboy boots, I don't. But I was just going to say, you, know, you give me an idea for uh, for a present for you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's the gist of what I hear you saying, which is pretty powerful. Yeah, it's so awesome. Where are we and at with this also, thing? I mean, is it only available right now to big brands or what's going on with that? Big brands, yeah, big brands and through major agencies that are partnering up. But what Facebook is doing, they're in discussions with a group of key partners and publishers to get Atlas baked into the platform. So, of course, Instagram is one of the first platforms to get that fully integrated. So, And you know that Instagram advertising is going to be coming on full on more huh. uh, in the next year. It's scary yeah, to think about how much they know about us, isn't it? It's insane. I know. I mean, every now and again, I think about it. It's a marketer's dream and it's a consumer's nightmare, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> just a quick plug for a quick plug for um, offline sales because that's one of the things this Atlas thing is going to be able to do is possibly tying online ads, whether desktop or mobile consumed, into offline. Let's say you go to buy something at a store and the store says um, uh, gets your email address. You plug in your email address, or excuse me, the store does. You know, and do with the, they can do that through like custom audiences and whatnot. And Facebook will match it up. It'll, it's just the exact same way as custom audiences. So you can actually see with your offline sales how they are being, um, you know, affected by uh, ads, digital ads. 
Awesome. Well, Mari, I know that uh, we've just scratched the surface of all the crazy changes coming from Facebook, and it's pretty phenomenal what we see going on. Where can people discover more about you and all the things you've got going on? Oh, pretty much uh, my website, marismith.com, and I'm very active every day on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash marismith, and on Twitter, twitter.com slash marismith, or just Google me. Mari, thank you so much. (laughs) My pleasure. Happy to be here. Well, I hope you got a lot out of that interview and out of this particular show. If there's anything that we mentioned and you just didn't happen to catch it because maybe you're out driving or walking or you know, on a tractor. I don't know. Don't worry. We take all the notes for you. You can get all the show notes in detail at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 115. That's 115. Yes, that's crazy. We've done 115 episodes. Also, never miss a future episode of this show. If you're new to the show and you're not already a subscriber, obviously it's free. Just hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast player you're listening to us on, and that way you'll never miss a future episode. Also, do not forget to check out Social Media Marketing World 2015. We've got significant discounts going on right now. Socialmediaworld15.com to find out more details. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Thanks for hanging out a bit longer. You might have noticed there's just a couple more minutes left on this particular episode of the podcast. Well, I decided to add in a segment that I initially decided to cut. And it was a discussion that Mari and I had about Elo or Elo, depending on who you ask, which is this new social network that's supposed to be the anti-Facebook network. So it's a bit of a rant, but I thought you might appreciate our thoughts on this. So thanks for sticking around. Here we go. So Mari, what are your thoughts on this new network called Elo or Elo? Um, I think it's called Elo and people are kind of describing it as the anti-Facebook. Can you kind of share with me what your thoughts? I know you're probably a little biased because you're such an expert on Facebook, but you know, I'd love to hear what you think about this network and whether you think it's a threat or if we should even pay attention to it. Yeah, well, it's not even so much that I'm so biased about Facebook. It's just that that's where the masses are. And so long as our close friends, our family members, our customers, our prospects, so long as they are using Facebook every day, then we as marketers, we have to stay there. We have to stay active. I don't see at any time in the near or even distant future there will be any platform that can come anywhere near close to what Facebook's already established. They've got a 10-year lead and a 1.3 billion user base lead. I have looked a little bit the Allo. I think it's wonderful. I think there's a great, it's wonderful insofar as it is meeting a need for a niche audience. Uh, another one that's fairly new is called Nextdoor. It's kind of like a virtual neighborhood watch. It's uh, you know social networks for your local neighborhood. Um, and, and so I have seen always, for a long time, I've seen a need for niche social networks. Are they ever going to be a threat to Facebook? Absolutely not. Should you pay attention as a marketer? Yeah, half an eye, half an eye. Other than that, just, you know. Well, you know, let's, 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 let's rant for a little bit here because okay. I, th- I think that um, I'm going to tell you my opinion. I think that there's always room for niches. Don't get me wrong. I think there's probably a million little tiny networks that are focused on every community you can imagine that we probably don't even know about. And I, and I applaud that. But if you're going to try to take on a huge network like Facebook, um, first of all, 
I think you have to have some unique value proposition that's different other than we're not Facebook and other than we're never going to take advertising. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, I totally agree. I, just, I think they're dreaming. I, it's just whatever. You know, people are angry because of ads. Well, hello, Facebook's been free forever. You know, you just you, – and the ads are getting better. I actually quite like uh, the ads I, I, on my mobile. And I know maybe I'm an anomaly, but I, I swipe through and I, and I actually consume a lot of ads and I discover a lot of cool things like free white papers or new apps or <laughs> – Well, you know, and the I other side of it is what about Google Plus? I mean, look, Google Plus doesn't have any ads as far as I know. And they've spent, they probably have had hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of engineers working on it for years. And they have developed a really slick, unique user interface. And they are still struggling to, to catch up with Facebook. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, um, that just shows you what kind of road is ahead for these guys. And I think that so many of us get into this. Um, we don't want to miss the bandwagon, right? Um, I want to reserve my name, you know. Um, I want to get in now to reserve my name before it's too late. There's only five invitations that I can give away. I think we get stuck into this um, this land rush mentality that um, is just kind of artificially fabricated to get people to, to have this kind of reaction. If everyone's talking about it, therefore it must be good. I don't know. What do you think? It's so true. It's so this whole invite only exclusivity. It's like everybody wants to be a member of a club that they can't get into, <laughs> even if they don't know anything. Now look, about we could club. both be wrong, and years from now, you could come back to this podcast and say, "See, I told you so." But you know, I don't find the user interface to be spectacular. I don't understand the value proposition, and I know for myself, I can barely manage the social networks that I'm part of today. And yep. I'm with you. I think that we need to be where it's better for our business. And if you have a lot of spare time and you have a common name like Smith, <laughs> but you know, Mari is an unusual name, you know, maybe you should go over there and reserve your namesake, but I'm not rushing out to reserve my namesake. I am not concerned that, um, I'm going to miss out on anything. Um, and I really don't think there's any rush because just remember how many times we've gone through this game, right? In the last five years, anybody remember Quora? You know, um, and everybody was talking about how that was the next big thing. And now nobody talks about it anymore, you know, and, and the list goes on and on of all these other social networks that have come and gone. And it doesn't mean you shouldn't try to develop a new social network. But if you're going to go and try to be like, you know, a huge network, then you better have some special, unique value proposition, not we're the anti-Facebook. That's my two cents. 100% agree. I totally do. And then as a marketer, should you get involved or not? Should you be jumping on board? I'm going to just quote our dear friend Jay Bear. And he basically says, don't get involved in a platform unless you can do it right. And, you know, so hats off to you. You got the resources and the time and the inclination, then go for it. Otherwise, Mike and I will be focused on Facebook and Twitter, <laughs> LinkedIn, maybe a bit of Google+. Plus. There you go. In that order, probably. <laughs> yeah, Mari, exactly. thank you again. Yeah. Thank you again for your insight on this. You bet. My pleasure. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.